Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. For this episode, I wanted to share with you some of my recent insights around being a codependent mother. And as I'm unpacking my soul recovery journey, I recognize that as a parent, we always want to give our kids the best possible upbringing that we can to keep them from harm, to let them see themselves for the unconditional love that we have for them and live to their fullest potential. But sometimes what we do is we rob them of their ability to go through difficulty in their childhood so that they can build up that strength, that they can get those skills when they're younger. And what I'm realizing in my soul recovery journey is this profound awareness around how deep that need was for me and can still be for me to fix it for them. And that I'm unpacking this part of me that sees where that comes from, that real need to fix it for them, to do for them, to save them, and unraveling the tethers and the ties that make it so that I can let them be adults, let them have their own experience, and then have compassion for myself for what it was like when they were younger and the choices that I made using the tools of soul recovery to turn to myself and figure out what I need to heal and look at for me to be able to show up for them now as adults in their greatest ability to live their lives, whether it's a hard moment or a fantastic moment. There's a lot of continued growth that we can always, always be ready to reveal. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, codependency, and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we need to turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on our inner change and healing. Positive results in our lives will follow. Hello and welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast. I'm Rev Rachel and I just thank you for choosing to spend your time with me today. If you're new to the podcast, maybe this is your first episode or you've just listened a couple times, welcome to the community. We are indeed a community of really supportive and loving and caring people who are in this together of learning how to take our power back and let go of this need and want to try to fix and manage and take care of the people around us and learn how to follow a spiritual path to our own happy and healthy life, how to turn the attention to ourselves 
And those of you who have been on this recovery journey with me for a while, I am so honored and blessed that you are continuing to be part of this amazing group because as each of us changes our perception, as we connect more deeply with the truth of who we are, and we're all listening to these episodes together, our energy together does something. It means something. We are connecting with each other and supporting each other, even though we may never meet. There is some real strength and power to that. And this healing that we're doing in our own lives is the greatest gift that we can give to anyone that is in our life as our family, friends, and even as the world. So thank you for being part of the Soul Recovery Community. Today's episode is Confessions of a Codependent. And I think it's so interesting that I've been doing this work so, oh my goodness, like really intently now for, I've been sober for just over five and a half years. And I've been really intently doing the soul recovery work for at least five of those years. And I am still unfolding those parts of myself that were so tightly bound behind my protector walls, that were parts of me that I was taking such efforts to not look at because I was afraid to look at them. And so much of this is in our subconscious that we don't even know and realize is really what's running the show. And the more that we awaken, the more that we open up, the more that we connect into the center of ourselves that is connected with something greater still, it's like we're just unfolding and unpeeling and revealing the true beauty of who we are by letting go of these layers of pain and woundedness. We are whole. We are not broken. And as I uncover myself, as I look more deeply into my own codependent and addictive behaviors, my control addiction behaviors, I'm continuing just to be like, wow, there's so much more there to look at. But in soul recovery, there's no judgment. Soul recovery is really, really, really about taking judgment off the table for everyone. It's about learning how to not have guilt, not have shame, not have grievance. It's about recognizing the humanness in all of us. And recognizing in a way that is around compassion and grace and tenderness and allows everyone to have their own experience in the story and taking the responsibility for the only place we can, which is our story, our experience, our participation in what's happening in our lives, how we choose to think and feel and see it. My codependence is so interesting because I didn't really have a word for it. And I'm using the word codependence because it's sort of the most easy word to have for it. And I'm mindful that in soul recovery, we're also not trying to label anything. There's words that we can use to explain things, but we're also not claiming dysfunction. We're not claiming that there's something wrong with us because in soul recovery, there's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. And the truth is that we're all just trying to remember, even people who are really, really, really lost inside of them is wholeness. Inside of them is their higher self. 
And some of us are really lost. But we are here because we're choosing to find ourselves. We're choosing to wake up. We're choosing to come to our full centered self. So my codependence, quote unquote, codependence, is my definition of that is that I have a really hard time. I'm working on it. I have a hard time putting my needs above somebody else's needs or at the same as somebody else's. I'm getting a lot better at this, but for a long, long time, I just couldn't find that it was okay for me to not put other people's feelings, needs, wants, their life in front of mine, that I felt like my job was really support to them. And as a peacemaker, if they're okay, then I can be okay from the Enneagram, right? Instead of a helper who gets real satisfaction from being like helping, you know, there's, there's something that comes from like, I helped, I did this. Mine was, I really need you emotionally to be okay, because if you're okay, then I can relax. So a little bit different energy around that. And then the other piece of it is relying on somebody else for your physical, spiritual, emotional, physical well-being. That's another codependent definition that you need somebody else to provide you with that information for you to feel like there's value for who you are. Now, you've listened to this podcast before, so you know a lot of my stories and I just learned how to be a good girl really early on. I'm an only child of a single mother. There wasn't people to rely on. There was nobody to rely on. My mom was a great mom, but she was busy doing her own thing, providing for us. And I was a latchkey kid from early, 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 early into my life and walked to school from, oh my gosh, I remember walking to school by myself through the town in like second grade, third grade, right? So just real reliance on myself. And yet, isn't this funny, what that taught me was that I couldn't ask somebody else for help, but the other person's needs were more important than mine. So making sure that my mom's needs were met, that I didn't cause any burden on her, that I wasn't a difficult child, that I didn't ask for too much. It wasn't that I was punished for not asking. It was more that I was rewarded for being so independent and that making sure that she was comfortable, that I didn't ask for anything. That's what my protectors provided for me as a safeguard for me to be able to survive. The other part was that, oh my gosh, I just really felt out of my body uncomfortable if there was difficult feelings because there was no conflict when I was growing up. There was no yelling. There was no um, being in trouble. It was, it was, I mean, on some level it's fabulous and wonderful and nice and I'm so grateful for it. But on the other one, it didn't give me any tools or any ability to handle difficult emotions. So as soon as a difficult emotion comes, I will do anything, anything to make that situation go away. So my confessions around being a codependent in terms of my continued unfolding of this awareness in myself are so interesting because here we are doing this work and having these awarenesses. And I'm working with so many of you as a 
one-on-one as spiritual coaching. And I am so grateful to be doing this work together. It helps me to continue to do my journey. And I believe I'm hopefully helping you to continue to do your journey. But isn't it fascinating that as we work together, it's like we're helping each other unfold ourselves and see ourselves truly for who we are. And to be willing to admit to, without guilt, without shame, without blame, without faulting, to just see our part and start to have compassion for the part of us that, of course, did these certain kinds of actions or behaviors to try to continue this pattern of, if you can be okay, then I can be okay. Or I need you to reflect for me. I think I needed for my parents to reflect for me. I was such a good girl, you know, that that helped me to feel good about myself, to get that positive feedback from others. So my sort of latest awareness was Bodhi came back into town for another visit. He was here just a couple weeks ago, which was great for like less than 24 hours just to say, hey. And then it turns out that he had already been scheduled to be a photographer for a college friend's wedding. And he, his friend bought the tickets for him to come. And it was kind of a longer visit. So it was gonna be from Friday to Monday. And we didn't know that he was coming until, I don't know, like four or five days before he arrived. So, you know, we cleared our schedules to the best ability that we could to try to be able to spend time with him. And he had just been here. So there was already this um, real warm, fuzzy kind of attachment connection. And there was, I realize now looking at it, there was an expectation, right? We talk about expectation and soul recovery that when you have an expectation, you want it to turn out or look or feel a certain way. And we get pretty attached to what that's going to look like. And it's interesting how there's nothing necessarily wrong with this. It just is our psychology. It's how our brains work. But there can be a real painful life shake up when we have expectations of how other people are supposed to behave or perform or be versus a preference, which is a desire for it to be a certain way, or an intention is even nicer. Like I have an intention for it to be lovely and kind and that we get to spend time together. And an expectation is this is what it's going to look like. And then we're going to do this. And then it's going to be like that. And then he's going to be like this. And then Rich is going to be like this. So I think because we had just had this really lovely, warm and fuzzy kind of connecting moment, we were both just really, Rich and I, were both like really like, oh, I can't wait that he's coming back. And we're going to spend all this time together. And we're going to get back in there and sort of really connect. And the truth was that... Bodhi was showing up to do work for somebody else, and it just happened to be where we live. If you're ready for soul recovery, as a spiritual coach, I can support your healing to help make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. You can also work in smaller groups by taking a deep dive in a Zoom workshop 
or with me in person at a retreat or an event. Join others on the Soul Recovery Path once a month for the free Zoom support group or daily on the private Facebook page. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me or find all the information you need about soul recovery, dates that are coming up, and how to register for those groups and workshops. To support the podcast and the community, check the links in the show notes to make a small monthly donation or a one-time donation of your choice that will make a huge impact to support this community and the soul recovery mission. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I think that's sort of one of the first things that starts to happen in terms of communication and what people need and that sometimes we don't talk about what we think is going to happen or how he's going to show up or anyway. So I'm just going to talk about myself. So my own experience was that I cleared as much of my schedule as I could. I hadn't had a lot of time with him when he was with us the last time. And then the last two times we had been with him had been when he broke his collarbone at the event. And then the next time had been at that, that festival that we went to where they were really partying really hard. So he is in a time of sobriety. I'm going to call it kind of sobriety. Well, we won't call it sobriety. We're going to call it a break or a, a cut down from um, his previous use of drinking and marijuana. And I'm really excited about that for him because it's doing great things for his life. And he actually recorded an episode while he was here with us that will air and has more conversations around that, that I know that those of you who are part of the Harrison story will enjoy. And those of you who have kids who are addicts will also um, get something from this experience of Bodhi really sharing his addiction story with us. So I was really looking forward to him coming in this kind of awakened state, right? Because he's been kind of checked out and had his own things going on. Well, the truth is he's in a major transition in his life. And so he showed up off of very little sleep and he was really tired. And he basically was checked out and sleeping for the first part of his being with us. He was just exhausted. But my experience was that I started to want it to be different. But the part that I really wanted to be different was I wanted our family interaction of the three of us to be different. And I'm hoping that I can explain this well, because even as I'm starting to talk about it, it gets fuzzy because my brain is confused around these topics still, because there's so much in there around how we take care of our children, how we take care of our husband, how we take care of the family. What is my role in terms of being a supporter to them? What is my role in terms of taking care of myself? It's it's complicated. And this is the part of soul recovery that I think is so important in terms of us looking at our codependence, looking at our own addiction issues, looking at our own traumas, looking at how our belief systems are set up. This is the beauty of this work that allows us just to slowly, slowly, slowly kind of unwind 
the very complicated ball of yarn that is our life that is intertwined with so many people. So I think that when Bodhi showed up and he was really tired and we had planned a day trip, it was supposed to be an overnight trip, but we ended up doing a day trip to a town that's about three hours away for them to go surfing on a river wave. I went into the mode of wanting it to look and feel a certain way because I needed and wanted it to look and feel a certain way. You know, we've been separated as a family for so long since the kids moved to California in 2020. And before that, there was so much dysfunction. It's like as we heal and as we grow together and as we're becoming our own people in a more recovered way, I still have this vision of what I want it to look like. This vision of how I love for it to feel. Because I think that it's how I've always been trying to make it feel, to make everybody feel seen and heard and, and for it all to be easy and kind and fun. And I looked at myself on this trip and my poor kid's exhausted. He's not really talking and Rich isn't that much of a talker. And so who starts doing all the talking in the car? Me. And I'm, I'm searching for something, you know, I'm searching for some sort of connection. Um, I'm searching for some sort of interaction with the three of us. And I am getting some responses, but it doesn't feel natural. And I witnessed myself in that space that was controlling, right? That part of me that says to myself, I'm just going to allow this to be whatever it is. I'm not going to have any expectations. I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to, you know, go along for the ride. But I watched myself in that codependent state, trying to make it be a certain way for me, relying on somebody else for my, my physical, emotional, spiritual, financial needs, right? So I was needing them to show up for me in a certain way so that I could feel like we were a family and having a great time. And at the same time, I was trying to make it feel a certain way for them. And again, what's so cool about this soul recovery journey is it's never about judging ourselves for our actions. It's around having awareness for these actions and these behaviors And so I could feel myself in the car doing this thing and I could feel Rich's resistance to it, that he was just thinking like, Rachel, just shut up, man. You know, there does not have to be talking all the time. And Bodhi, who's exhausted and he's, he's processing so much stuff around this transition in his life. He's okay to talk about some of it, but he doesn't really want to talk about all of it. And as we had this day together, I did the work of turning within and starting to ask myself some questions like, what is this about? What do, what am I trying to achieve here? And then at each sort of step of the way, as we got to the town and then it turned out you couldn't surf because the water wasn't running high enough and it's switching and it's morphing and what the day looks like is changing. And now we're not going to stay overnight so that we can 
so that I wanted to get Bodhi back to town to be able to go to his friend's um, DJ show, which was important to him. And then the next day was like this emotional low. And I was really looking at myself and saying, okay, Rachel, if you can only turn the attention to yourself, what is really going on in here? Why are you sad? Because our feelings are important. They're telling us something. And my sadness is important to me because that's where my healing is, is to really try to understand what is it that is going on within me and why do I do this chatty Kathy thing, try to prop everybody up, make everything be sunny and rosy and like we're going to Disneyland or something, right? You know, like, what is that? And I had this flood of memories around how much I did that when the kids were little. This real deep part of me that wanted to create perfection. This real deep part of me that didn't want my kids to ever feel hurt or the anger of their dad or the anger of me or the the meanness of kids or how difficult it was in school. And then all of a sudden I had this intense, I hope I'm describing this well, and that you can relate to this. I think some of you can, that part of us as a mom or as a parent who will do anything to keep your child from being uncomfortable, who will do anything to keep them from being uncomfortable because I didn't like being uncomfortable because I didn't trust somewhere that being uncomfortable had a value and that I've spent my entire lifetime trying to stay out of being uncomfortable. And you know what it's made me? It's made me freaking uncomfortable is what it's done. I mean, it's so interesting how when you really look at this amount of energy that has gone into trying to alter the feelings, the situation, the energy, the the temper of what, you know, the other people in the room of what's going on with them, the temperature of the environment emotionally, you know, what is that? What is that? And it's almost like for the first time, for truly the first time, I saw how my constant trying to Pollyanna everything and band-aid everything and fix everything had a detrimental edge to it because people just couldn't be where they were at. You know, my husband just couldn't be where he was at without me trying to do something about it and being upset with him. And the kids couldn't be where they were at without me just trying to fix it. And so without me being hard on myself, with me just being literally tender to myself and saying, ah, wow, there it is. It's like that door of my emotional self opened up for really the first time all the way and out flooded out. You know, it always makes me cry. (laughs) when I'm sharing these things with you guys, because there's just so much in there. 
But what flooded out was a real tenderness to myself for how hard I had worked to try to keep it all together and try to make it look a certain way. And that I could really recognize and see how much energy I had put into that kind of, I don't even know what to call it. It's like that kind of manipulation of the situations. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't make an effort to try to make life wonderful, you know, to be the kind of person that can read the temperature of the people in the room and does put other people equal to ourselves. You know, I'm learning to not put myself under, but to where we're all the same, you know, I need my needs met, but they can take care of their self. I don't have to take care of them first. It's really this unpeeling of ourselves that allows us to even out the playing field a little bit. And what was so interesting about this particular situation is nothing bad happened. You know what I mean? It was like, not like there was this huge ordeal. We did have the situation where Bodhi went to go shoot the wedding. He took my car. We assumed he was coming back that night. There wasn't any communication around it. He's a grown man. So, you know, he's not used to having to check in with his parents. Rich and I went to an event ourselves. We texted him. Yeah. What time are you coming home? He had told me uh, earlier that weekend that his phone usually dies by, you know, three quarters of the day. He had my car and I needed to leave the next morning to go be a minister and needed my car in the morning to drive up to the mountains. And so when we woke up in the morning, actually woke up at two o'clock in the morning and he wasn't there. Rich got got scared, you know, he got scared that something had happened to his son and why hadn't he checked in and and he was really concerned for his safety. I was more concerned because I needed a vehicle, but it all worked out just fine because I was going with a friend. We drove her car. In all of this was like that whip up that can be a whole bunch of drama. And the part of me that had had this real clear opening of that emotional door that had said, man, you think it's your job. You think it is your responsibility. I've been doing this step one in soul recovery for so long, and I'm still looking at it and saying, you think it is your job to make sure that everyone's okay. You think it's your job to make sure that everyone has the best time, that everyone's emotions are even, that you have the snacks packed, that there's gas in the car, that, you know, you've picked the route, like, wow you still are trying to keep people from feeling uncomfortable. What if they're uncomfortable? What if Rich is mad? What if Bodhi is tired and doesn't want to talk? You know, what if? What if we have a okay time and not a great time? What if it turns out we have a great time because we're actually having an okay time and there's no pressure to have a great time? Like, what if you just let go? And the wild thing was, as soon as that had happened for me, when Bodhi wasn't there in the morning for the car and my girlfriend was able to drive, like a weight was lifted off of me that just said, I do not have to figure this all out. I don't have to take care of it. And yes, I did that. I did that when they were growing up and there's no going back and changing it or fixing it or making it different. It just is. It just is. 
And can I love myself enough to open that emotional door and to give myself grace and be kind to myself and say, you know, that probably was detrimental to our family in a lot of ways and see my participation and my part and love myself enough to forgive myself and allow it to just be and really work in this moment right here, right now to be present with exactly what is. And then the interesting thing is the last little part of Bodhi's visit was fabulous. We had the best time. Partially because I let go of what does the best time look like. I just let it be. And I just relaxed. And Rich relaxed and Bodhi relaxed. And he was present. And Rich was present. And I was present. And I just thought, what an amazing ability to continue to unappeal myself and my psychology and to process this stuff within myself and to attend to my own feelings and my own experience and let go of the need to be responsible for and fix all of them. Can't control anything outside of yourself. That's what step one in soul recovery says. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this made sense. I'm still working it out in my own mind. I'm still looking at it. I'm still processing it. It's an interesting journey to do this work on ourselves and to heal that part of us that thinks that we need to live from beliefs and patterns that were set up when we were little. So we're getting better and better all the time. We're remembering who we are. We're stepping into our wholeness of self. And confessing our codependence could be the greatest thing that we do so that we can let it go. We can let it go. If you need help with this or anything else in your soul recovery journey, I encourage you to book coaching sessions with me or do some of our other deeper dives and workshops Oh, we're just here to really find ourselves and be comfortable in our own skin, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Soul Podcast and being part of this amazing and growing community. If you loved this episode and you want even more, there is a bonus episode with even more content every Friday. This is by subscription. You can access that by being a Patreon member and there's three tiers of giving of your choice or an Apple Podcast subscriber. Once you have subscribed, you have access to a whole back catalog of episodes as well. If you go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and I would love for you to subscribe to email updates so that you can keep posted with everything that's going on, different events, what dates are coming up, any reminders. There's only a couple emails each month. I hope you follow Recover Your Soul on social media. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the private Facebook community page, TikTok, and if you want guided meditations, look for Reverend Rachel Harrison on Insight Timer. I really encourage you to take advantage of the one-on-one coaching. 
This is a unique, intuitive connection between the two of us. There are nine steps to soul recovery, and I do use those nine steps to loosely guide us through whatever you're coaching that you need. But really, it's about creating a way for you to feel comfortable around your healing of your past, looking at the situations in your life, what are the patterns, what are the beliefs that are holding you back, breaking free from those patterns, breaking free from those beliefs, letting go of control, letting go of the people around you, and taking your power back discovering who you are and who you want to be in the world and how I can support you to do this. And also, you're sharing this podcast with your friends, putting five stars, leaving reviews, really sharing this with others is growing the community. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for supporting Recover Your Soul. And I know that together we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.